Well, hello once again. For those of you who uh, may have missed me earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and today uh, we're talking about work, as you may have guessed it. We're in week three, the final week of our series called Branded. And for many of you, maybe you feel like work has been branded on you, or the way that your job goes, like this is all that it's ever going to be, or this defines you in a certain kind of way, or maybe it feels imprinted on you. And that's the way it's always going to be. Well, we are changing the conversation about work. And we're looking at our circumstances through a different light. And so we are redeeming the story of work in our own lives. We've been looking at many different stories of work. We got to hear from Aaron just now. Last week we heard about Solomon and his story, Solomon in the scriptures. And so we are redeeming the story of work. One of the places I worked at, uh, uh, it's quite a while ago now, but was an e-commerce company here in downtown Jersey City, just a couple of blocks from here, called Quidzy. And you may not have heard Quidzy because uh, that was the corporate name, and uh, they were also, um, not, no surprise, purchased, bought by Amazon. <laughs> and so they were just kind of folded in the Amazon thing. But they had two companies, two online companies that were pretty well known at the time. One was called Diapers.com. And the other one was Soap.com. And so for most of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's because uh, they were bought. And, but anyway, but they were revolutionizing the industry. And many of the things that we love about online shopping now, they created the new norms. And, uh, and in fact, this was back in 2012, 2011, 2012. They were doing same-day delivery in New York City and here in Jersey City. Um, you could order in the morning by like, literally like 10 a.m., and maybe even later sometimes, and you would get it that night. And they were the ones that started this whole industry, and they were doing this in the major cities in the country and just changing what online shopping could look like and how you could get everything. And so Soap.com was essentially like Target delivered, and it was amazing. And so I worked with this company, and it was an e-commerce company, so they were trying to do everything they could to attract workers and to make it a fun workplace. And so this is part of the trend of making workplaces just kind of fun to be around and also for you to stay there as long as you possibly can to work. And so we had free food. There was a vending machine. Uh, that all you did was hit the numbers and you got whatever you wanted. They had some good stuff in there. They had, they had a game room with pool table, ping pong table. They had all this exercise equipment that you could have. And then we would have like um, free happy hours on like once a month and other things like that. Some of you are like, free, we have free happy hours every day. Anyway. But now it's evolved into like cafeterias and other things like that. Actually, now it's evolved to you walking around your house in your slippers all day. And so, in fact, I know that you have probably upgraded your slipper game. And so now it's just the fridge because everybody's working from home. And so we long for this gourmet cafeteria to come back. But anyway, that's what we did. And for me, I love two big things about it. One was the cereal selection. I remember one day going on break and there was Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. It wasn't just Captain Crunch, but they had the good kind, which was with Crunch Berries. And I was ecstatic. I was like hiding the cereal so it would only be there for me. And then, and then, then Ping Pong Table. We had all these different things, but the Ping Pong Table was where it was at. We used to like log in to the cameras. People would type in the camera IP addresses and because it was so popular to watch the Ping Pong Table. And I would get a message from a friend, be like, hey, it's open. And so we would, we would you know, take a break and run and play ping pong, that'd be ping pong tournaments. So anyway, we, it was good to have fun at work. And so how do we find that in our world today? And uh, God created work to be good. And so we're looking at that story. So today as we continue, 
Um, let's just do a quick recap of what we've been learning. And what I just mentioned was that God made work to be good. And so, you know, it's good to bring good into work. But work was created before the fall, before we were broken, before brokenness came into the world. Crazy enough, in a perfect world, work existed. God gave it to us. But then, as I just mentioned, you know, we have the fall. We were broken, and things were messed up. We sinned. We turned our backs on God, and that introduced brokenness. And so we brought our own brokenness into work. That still affects us in great ways today. But also, God gave us toil. As a loving father who disciplines his, his children for good, he brought, he gave toil into work. So all those things exist together. And so when we experience toil that's very hard, or when you experience the brokenness from others in work, what do you do? And for us, we focus on changing circumstances. That's all we want to do is what, whatever your circumstance is, whatever that may be, we focus on changing those circumstances. God focuses, however, on changing us. And this is the big thing that we are experiencing in this series. And so this leads us to our key verse from Colossians 3.17. It says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever your job situation, circumstance is, whether in word or in deed, do it all, even the not fun stuff, even the long work hours, the toil. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is a revolutionary scripture that if you really engage this well, will change how you work, just like we, we heard from Aaron. When she began to learn to embrace the scripture in one of her first jobs out of college, it changed how she engaged work. God was changing her, not the circumstance. And through her change, it actually helped change her circumstance as well. And so that's what we looked at. Last week, we engaged in the story of Solomon and how he struggled. He gained everything in the world. One of the wisest, most successful people to ever live in history built an incredible kingdom with wealth and peace around other nations because of his leadership that God had given him. And yet he found when it was just focused on himself, it was meaningless. And so we looked at this diagram, and this diagram is up on our website. You can go there to check it out. But, but when the purpose is you, and this is a four-phase diagram where there's the goal at the top, and then you, and you encounter a challenge, and, and that, that elicits a response. And however you respond it will determine the outcome of how you experience work in your life. And when the purpose of you, whether it's a good job situation or your job is hard, You'll respond only focused on you. And when you are the purpose, and things are good, it feels good for a little while. But everything you do will revolve around you, and it, and it just ends up being meaningless because you are the only end. And you can't get enough for yourself. You always just want more. You're, you'll hoard your money. You'll be greedy. You will, you will spend everything, and you'll go into debt even more. It makes you proud, selfish. And when you begin to feel no purpose... It creates a lot of frustration in your life, and you'll desire more. But when it's hard, you complain, you start searching for a new job, you pull back from life, you disengage from others, you blame God, you become miserable, angry, anxious, tired, and you're searching. These are the outcomes. And when this is the happening, you just 
try to change your circumstance. You try to keep changing it. But Solomon showed us that life with God as our purpose and our focus changes the entire conversation. He allows us to enjoy the good that we have when we are focused on Christ. We are able to give. We're not greedy. We're able to let go. We are able to let go of control. We don't try to control others in our workplaces. Our pride doesn't dominate everything. We let others get success as well. It changes how we pursue our work. But when things are hard, when they're stressful, it gives us a place to go to. It gives purpose and meaning. And Aaron talked about how she engaged. She started taking classes. She showed up early and she started leaning in. And it changed her experience. And she, instead of quitting and moving on, she stayed for five years. When God is engaging in your work experience, you change. You begin to change. The struggle with us, and this is what Solomon read, and you can go back and listen to last week's message. It's on our podcast. It's on our website. I encourage you to engage that because it's a very powerful message, walking through those two diagrams. But Solomon showed us how God is the only one who really brings meaning. Toil, work with just toil is just toil, but when God is involved in it, it brings meaning to what we do. He is the one that brings goodness into our lives. The thing is, is identity in ourself. When our identity is just in ourself, and that comes in all different ways, not just work, but especially when work is there, when your identity is yourself, it is fragile, and ultimately it's hopeless, because that's all you have. The problems without God, when you do not have God in your life, there is a problem with meaning and significance. There's a problem there. The meaning that you try to create for yourself will be too thin to handle suffering. You will not be able to understand suffering because when you are the goal, suffering doesn't match. This is the dilemma of our secular world today, a world that is, that is purposely saying we are a secular society. Suffering destroys meaning for you in your life. And our current culture doesn't give one another very good resources for dealing with, with, with suffering. More than any other culture in the history of the world, there's, there's research on this. Studies back this up. With God, you find something more important than yourself. You have hope for eternity. It means that you are made for more and that you are significant. The other way around means for yourself, you have to look into you to find what you want. And then you've got to assert it. You've got to assert it over everything else and everyone. And when we do this, this makes you and I very fragile. It makes us fragile because we desperately need attention and recognition for whatever that 
is. And that enslaves you. Because you'll never get enough recognition. Why is this important? Why is it important that we talk about this? Why we, why we help us understand how fragile and unsteady when uh, the purpose of me is, especially in work. It's because in our work culture, even if you would say, I'm a Christ follower, in our work culture, we live and act more towards this secular view that it's just about us. And so that means even as Christ followers, for many of us watching today, we live and engage our work lives as if there is no God. And we wonder why we're anxious. We wonder why we're frustrated. When you run into struggles, you don't have the God to go to to say, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. I always have hope. And so I am encouraging you to find a new way to lean in to how you engage your job. So when your job is hard, when you face significant challenges, you have a God to go to and it doesn't wreck your life. You can lean in. And to lean in in this series, and this is what today really is about, is main, basically means doing the opposite many times of how you feel. Instead of running away and trying to change your circumstance, God is wanting you to change. And this is the exciting part. When you feel these tensions, when you are seeing the outcomes of anxiety, anger, fear, all those things that you feel, see yourself pulling back from people, all those outcomes is an opportunity for you to, to change your approach and be invited into the story of God. He wants to lead you through and in your story of work. He may not change your circumstance. Sometimes that does happen. But He wants you to experience redemption and restoration. What I want to do is quickly look at the scripture that was just before the significant Colossians passage that we've been reading each week. And then I'm going to give you four things that help us engage the story of work. I want to read you from Colossians. In Colossians 3, 5, it, Paul is right before he says this, you know, what we've been reading earlier, but he's like, you need to put to death. He goes, you need to end all these broken things in your life, begin to walk away from that and put on these virtues that Christ alone brings us. And so he's talking about what to put death, and he mentions several things that we do that bring brokenness into our lives. And then he says this, starting in verse 9, he says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, meaning in Christ, which is being renewed in knowledge in the, in the image of its Creator. I love this imagery of being renewed. This is what God wants for you and me. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, and these are these virtues, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Man, do we need that, right? He says, bear with each other. What an incredible phrase, this, 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 this phrase about community. We need others. 
We need to lean in with one another, bear with each other, and forgive one another. Man, do we need that in our world. We don't know how to, to engage forgiveness in our world today. God needs us to do that with one another that can show others. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. For as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What an amazing paragraph. That's how we love. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, which Julian leads us and does with us every single week. Julian's sitting right over here, so I'm pointing to him. <laughs> Julian, thank you for how you lead us in doing that. What's so amazing is, is let the, 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 the message of Christ will make among you. He says, teach and admonish, meaning give a stern word to one another to say, hey, you need to change in this. That's part of how we love one another. And then he continues. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. These are the virtues in which God wants you to live out, experience, and bring to your workplace, into your life. We can't just put God at the, at the front. It means engaging and leaning in, pursuing these virtues as outcomes for your life, which we do through community and one another. And that's why we're here today. And I'm so thankful for you that even when we are pulled apart, we are still committing to be with one another. God is working in all of that. So what does this lead to? How do we do this? Well, here's quickly four things for you and I. Here's the first one. Meeting and work, and I've already said this, is, is found when you lean into pain, when you lean into suffering, when you lean into hardship. I want to run away from that. I don't want things to be hard. I just want to, I mean, I know these principles, I read these scriptures, and I don't want things to be hard. I want it to be easy. I want it to be comfortable. I would rather, for just for the last 365 days, to have taken the year off and receive a stimulus check every single month. Like, that's what I, I just want to just disengage. I want to pull back. I want comfort. Some of you are like, let's do that. What, what does that take to get that? Anyway. God will use things to bring you to purpose if we learn to lean in. When you are the purpose and suffering happens, you break down. And we've, if you've been in this world, you've experienced that breakdown this last year. That is why these scriptures are so revolutionary, so ahead of their time. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans, Romans 5, 3 through 5. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop 
endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Our hope, our confident hope of rescue. Our confident hope of redemption. That's what salvation means. We can confidently be hopeful of that. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. This is opposite of what we want to do. But if you learn to lean in and let God engage in this part of your story, the story of pain and suffering, you will see Him fulfill this. and You will know that He is God and you will experience the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And there's nothing more joyful than that. It's incredible. Meaning is found when you lean into pain. The second thing is, is before you change your circumstance, you've got to start changing you. Before your circumstance, you look at you first. Remember, whatever you do, do it all. Work it out all. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul went on to say this in Colossians 3.22, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. When you suddenly start giving it all at your work, when everybody else is sick of it or whatever it may be, people notice. It ignites things. It changes the culture. Even in a bad culture, you can be used for significance. I remember when I worked at a coffee roaster. When the financial crisis happened, and that was the only job I could find, with my pastor's resume way back in 2008, I remember loading a truck with everything that I had, and, and my boss was just standing off the side watching me, and he was like, <laughs> he was like just staring at me, and it got a little weird. He was like, he goes, what is driving you to just go after it with your all? And then he was like, and this is in Staten Island, so he was like, he says, you don't curse. And even if I did curse a couple times a week, that was like, that was like being a saint to them. <laughs> and it just, everything stood out. God wants to use you when we give it our all. He wants to change you. It's where it starts. And then that leads to the third thing, which is when you change, your work changes. And this is a phrase that can be said a couple different ways. Your work, the work that you do, how you engage it, it changes for you. How you work changes what you do. You begin to learn to stand on principles that God is giving you. you. You begin to take steps where you engage well. You do it for Him, but then you also learn to, like this is through a lot of prayer, take times of rest where you actually take days off. You don't answer emails. And this takes conversations with your boss where you leave early to attend your 8 o'clock dinner group. And like just, you know, you take a whole Saturday off or your 24-hour period without email. That might take a couple of weeks to transition to, but you begin to rest as God has asked you to do. You have different priorities. You begin to be patient with things. How you engage your work changes. It allows you to take steps. But then your work changes. The people around you, the people around you change. 
that God made you for people. He's gifted you. He's given you these, these joys, these desires, these ambitions to put you in a city, to put you in a neighborhood, to put you in a, in a building, and to put you in a workplace with others. You were made for people. You were made for purpose. And when you begin to see that, even in a mundane job, in a high-intense job, or in a very broken place, you never know how God can use that. You were made to be around others. The people around you change, and your city changes. Your city changes. You live in a neighborhood. Most of us are in downtown Jersey City, but we have, downtown Jersey we are attended by people all over Jersey City in every single neighborhood. And now we're scattered. And your city changes when you engage. We find ways to tackle problems. We have churches all over this city every month to try to work together to engage problems in our city. We love you, we love others as God has positioned us. And that happens. When you give financially to your local church, it begins to change your city. When you give to local organizations, begins to change your city. When you are the focus, you'll give, but only when it makes you feel good and when you have leftover money. But when God is the focus of your life, you begin to make a plan. You begin to give to Him out of obedience, and you begin to see Him work in that area of your life as well. Do you have a plan for giving to your local church family? Are you able to give? Have you ever given financially? If not, this is an incredible time to change how you work because you let go of greed and you let go of you as a purpose and God begins to change your heart. That might be a way that God wants you to change. Apostle Paul tells us, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, nor under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You should plan for how you should give. Maybe you should start doing plans for money, period. Maybe that's the step for you <laughs> as well. But when you change, your work changes. And then the fourth thing is you will experience joy in all work. This is the final thing for us to end on today. You will experience joy. It doesn't mean that you will be without pain. You're going to have difficult times. It doesn't mean that God's going to take away the painful work or the challenging thing. Many times God will put you in that place because of how you follow Him. Maybe He'll actually keep you in it or allow you to be there. And that's why we go to Him and you can see Him work that purpose. Remember, he's the one who gave us toil. <laughs> this is why we see over and over in scriptures, in James it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face many trials, 
because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It sounds a lot like what Paul told us, right? There is a purpose in all things. And here's the thing. When you engage in these ways, you will change. You will change. You will grow. And, and when, I, when you begin to experience this, you don't always believe me. And that's why we have to trust God. This is all about stepping out in faith with Him. You will begin to see Him do this work, and you will change, and you will grow. And then you'll find meaning and purpose in your finances, in your community, in your relationships, in the city in which you live, in the difficult circumstances you have, and especially in your relationship with God. It will grow. You will begin to invest in things that last, and that will develop a joy in your heart, and you will enjoy the freedom that God's given you. You will learn to enjoy rest. You will learn to enjoy money, not just giving it away, but enjoying it. Because everything good comes from God, and there will be a greater enjoyment of the things that you spend money on. And you will look back and be thankful. You will look back and be thankful. It's not always easy, but we want to learn to lean in. To experience this scripture means you step out of your comfort zone and you trust God. It's not easy, but it's the best thing you'll ever do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for who you are, for your words for us. I pray today that we would trust you. God, we've experienced a lot of fear and anxiety and lives without peace this last year. I pray that we would begin to engage a different way. And we would also experience the change, not only us, but others around us. God, I pray that downtown community church, that we would be culture changers in the workplaces of New York City and in Jersey City. We pray that you would let that be so. We ask all this in your name. Amen.